Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The term mastermind was originally written in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Before that, the earliest documentation that we have of a mastermind group was Ben Franklin's group that he used to meet every single week in a tavern that he called Huntus. Nation, there's no doubt about it. Life is too short to do it alone, and it's not very much fun to do it alone in. Nation, I urge you to go to scalinguph2o.com and find out if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. I'd love to have a 15-minute call with you to explain all things Rising Tide Mastermind and see if this is a group that's right for you and you are right for the group. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. Hey folks, Trace Blackmore here, your host to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, everybody's favorite water treatment podcast. And I say that because our numbers are just so amazing. Now, I think I've shared on the show before, I really have to watch what our numbers show because then I start second guessing myself on how I talk and what I talk about. And and it, it can be very interesting seeing all these ratings that are going on. But one of the ones I do look at is how many listeners that we have, how many countries we are in. And it is just amazing to me how many people we get to call brothers and sisters within the Scaling Up Nation. And we are in over 94 countries where people are listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. In fact, I was speaking to a gentleman just the other day from India, and he said he started using the expression in India, folks. So there we go. My my Southern dialect is influencing around the world. Uh, I had one person tell me that they practice their English by listening to me. I don't know if I would recommend that to anybody, but I will tell you, it sure is fun to be able to have a podcast like this and come to you each and every week with new material. Now, one of the things that I get so much feedback on is how we are letting you know all the things that are going on within the water treatment industry. And of course, I get the credit for that, but it is my fine staff that goes out and tries to find everything that is going on within the water industry so you have one place to find it. And there are way more things than what we talk about here on the show, and that you can find on our events page by going to scalinguph2o.com. There are just so many things that touch water within this industry, different conventions, different expos, different conferences. Those are probably all the same thing, but there's a lot of them out there and you don't have to keep track of them because the great staff here is helping you with that. And we're gonna talk about some of those things. So the first thing I wanna talk about is we have Industrial Water Week coming up. This is the sixth time that we have celebrated Industrial Water Week, and you first celebrated Industrial Water Week right here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. We have been within the Industrial Water Week celebration agenda since inception, and we are so proud of that. This year, we're gonna do the same thing we do every year, And we are going to celebrate with you with a brand new episode each and every day. Industrial Water Week starts October 2nd through October 6th. Now, here's the interesting thing. A lot of things are going on within that time. So it's very interesting that all these water events coincide with Industrial Water Week. Well, the first one is WEFTEC. WEFTEC starts September 30th and then ends October 4th. And that's going to be right during Industrial Water Week. The other thing is the Association of Water Technologies Conference. That takes place October 4th through 6th. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all these things are culminating together during Industrial Water Week. 
This is giving us so many ways to celebrate this year. And each and every year, more and more people celebrate Industrial Water Week. So if you are going to WEFTEC or if you're going to the Association of Water Technologies Conference, you have a reason to celebrate Industrial Water Week. And you're going to be with a lot of your friends where you all can celebrate in style. Now, if you're not going to one of those conferences, don't worry, you can celebrate Industrial Water Week on your own. And the best way to celebrate is listening to a brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O each and every day that week. We're going to start out with pre-treatment Monday, boiler Tuesday, cooling Wednesday, wastewater Thursday, and then we wrap up the week with careers Friday. And we have a lot of things in store for you during this industrial water week, and I cannot wait to share all of that with you. One of the things I get asked all the time was, have I ever tried the water cake. And I can't remember which Industrial Water Week we brought the water cake to people's attention. It's been around since before George Washington's time. It was George Washington's favorite confection. Uh, I doesn't really say a lot about George Washington if you've tried this, but it is full of non-perishable items. So there's no milk, there's no butter, there is no, what else is in cake? Eggs. It's just all kind of flat stuff that you can carry around under a saddle, I guess. And he enjoyed pulling that out from under a saddle and eating a little piece of cake. And I've even heard that one company has a rites of passage. All their new people have to sample a water cake. So we'll have the water cake recipe up on our show notes page. Everybody always tries that during Industrial Water Week. And there's so many companies out there that do celebrate with an industrial water treatment cake each and every Industrial Water Week. And I want you to do that this year. Hopefully we get some more people that are hashtagging their photos to IWW. 23, so we can all see those photos. Now, that's a little preview of some of the calls to action that I have during Industrial Water Week, where we share our smiling faces in front of the equipment of the themes I just mentioned for each and every day. Scaling Up Nation, as you know, I love collaborating on this show with our friend James McDonald. So here's something that James has cooked up to get you in the mood for Industrial Water Week. These are the voyages of Industrial Water Week to boldly celebrate with family, friends, and colleagues. Helm, report. It's a board ship, Captain. We're being hailed, Captain. On screen. We are aboard. Lower your shields. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your collective celebration of Industrial Water Week will adapt to celebrate like us. Resistance is futile. Wait a second. You're insisting that we celebrate Industrial Water Week like you as part of the collective? But there are so many ways to celebrate Industrial Water Week. It can be as a group, an individual, or both. Resistance is futile. Lower your shields. Celebration as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will celebrate like us. My name is Captain Herbert Henry Oxidine, the 18th. And I'll be darned if I'm going to let the Borg tell me how to celebrate Industrial Water Week. We can celebrate with you, but not like you, nor as you. End communications. Direct hit, Captain H2O. They've scratched the paint on the port nacelle. Now I'm really annoyed. I just had that buffed and waxed. Evasive maneuvers Eta Eta Omicron. Modulate phaser frequencies. Randomize shield harmonics. Dust off those anti-Borg photon torpedoes and give them all we've got. And turn off that blasted sound. <laughs> Report, Ensign. The Borg cube is venting plasma, steam, and chilled water, sir. Shields are gone and power is fluctuating. Good. Now hail them. We are 
Stop right there. We've just kicked your collective backsides. Stand down. There's room for us all to celebrate Industrial Water Week in our own ways. My crew and I will have cake. You're welcome to join us. The point is, we decide, as individuals, as companies, as colleagues, as friends. Few truly understand what we do as industrial water treatment professionals, but we do. Industrial Water Week gives us permission to celebrate ourselves and our noble profession. So, will you join us at our assimilation-free party? We find your terms of celebration to be acceptable. Good. I was hoping you'd see it our way. By the way, I see you're venting steam and chilled water over there. If you need help with your industrial water systems, just let us know. They've ended communication, sir. In the cold darkness of outer space, where no one can hear you steam, there is one man who works tirelessly to celebrate what we do. That man is Captain H2O, best water treater this side of the Milky Way, celebrating Industrial Water Week the first full business week of October each and every year. Based on Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry. No rights infringements intended. Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios, Inc. This fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial fan-made audio drama intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted. No alleged independent rights will be asserted against CBS or Paramount Pictures. Can't wait for Industrial Water Week. It's coming up. We've got just one month away. And folks, how did it become September already? It seems like we were just bringing in the new year. Now we are in September. And here's some useless information. If you ever wondered where the word September comes from, that is the, from the Latin word septem, which means seven. And that's how October was named as well, if you were wondering about that. Now, here is maybe a trivial fact about Trace Blackmore, if you're playing the scaling up drinking game. I don't know if anybody does that. I don't even know if there is such a thing. But Trace Blackmore took five years of Latin. Don't know really what that did for me. Actually, I will tell you, it has helped me out quite a bit in chemistry. But hey, that's a good guidance counselor. Trace, take a dead language that you will never speak and spend five years studying it. I don't think that guidance counselor is around anymore, but it has really helped me with chemistry. I will say it really helped me. My wife's a pharmacist, and when she was getting her doctor degree of pharmacy, I understood a lot of the things that she was studying just because I understood the root words of Latin. So there you go. There's another fact about Trace Blackmore. That is more useless information. I don't know if you will ever need. Let's talk about some more information. So I mentioned the Association of Water Technologies earlier. As I said, we are celebrating that smack dab in the middle of Industrial Water Week. And now here's the cool thing. I know a lot of you will be at the Association of Water Technologies Conference in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Well, I'm going to be there too. And this is one of my favorite times each year because I get to see so many Scaling Up Nation members. So it's my hope that if you are there, we try to find each other. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what you think about this podcast. I love hearing about show ideas and guest ideas. We're over 300 episodes. And folks, we got to band in this thing together to make sure that we're going to have 300 plus more episodes. I want to make sure that I always keep this podcast relevant. I always keep this podcast coming to you so you look forward to it each and every week, giving you the information that you want to hear about so we can all raise the bar within the industrial water treatment industry. Well, speaking of the Association of Water Technologies, they have really raised the bar in the industrial water treatment industry. AWT was founded back in 1985, and you may know this, you may not know this, but several water treatment company owners got together after their liability insurance was dropped. They were unable to get liability insurance. They came together, they formed the AWT for the specific purpose of getting liability insurance. So it was an act of necessity. We can't have customers if we don't have liability insurance. But you look at AWT now, 
and they have done so much to help the industry. Uh, Of course, we talk about the certified water technologist designation on this show quite a bit. And you probably know AWT has a handful of awards that they bestow on deserving individuals each and every year. Now, one of the most prestigious of these awards is the Water Technologist of the Year Award. And I was so humbled to receive that back in 2020. That was just such an amazing honor to receive that award, and I was so thankful up there on stage. It was a virtual stage because that was during the pandemic, but receiving that award. So thank you for all the people that helped me receive that award back in 2020. And they do all sorts of different awards, and one of the newer ones that you may or may not know about is called the Rising Star Award. Now, this is an award that isn't given out every single year. It is given out to individuals that, one, are under 40 and have at least 10 years or less of water treatment experience. They've demonstrated that the role they play has resulted in positive outcomes from projects, publications, activities, and initiatives that demonstrate the ongoing exceptional service to the association and its members. It also has where people have made contributions and having sustained a positive impact on the association and all its members, uh, having demonstrated levels of responsibility both within the association and in the water treatment industry in general, and then finally recognized for leadership qualities and potential future leadership opportunities within the Association of Water Technologies. Now, you might remember back in 2021, we invited Laith Charles, who was the very first recipient to receive this Rising Star Award. If you want to listen to that, that was episode 224. And if you're keeping score, that was the second time that Laith was on the program. The first time he was on was episode 62. So today in this interview, we are talking to the 2022 recipient of the Rising Star Award. Here's that interview. My lab partner today is Chelsea Farmer of Radical Polymers. Welcome, Chelsea. Howdy, how are you? I am doing great. We've known each other for a while. Yeah, probably about seven years. So I, of course, uh, met you years ago, and uh, you've been with Radical Polymers since it started. And tell us a little bit about what you do there. What's your day-to-day? So currently, my title is product manager, but that can involve a very wide range of responsibilities. I help manage the lab, so I'll work on developing new technologies or doing troubleshooting or technical service projects for our customers. Um, I also meet with customers and I do pricing for our customers. So anything in between those responsibilities keeps me on my toes day to day. So what made you want to get into this industry? Well, if I'm honest, I never planned on getting into this industry. I don't think anybody ever does. Yeah, exactly. Um, My parents met actually working for a chemical company 30 years ago or so. And so I was kind of raised in the industry. When I was in college, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I majored in chemistry and biology, and I got really into and enjoyed entomology. So that's what I actually ended up going to graduate school for was entomology. Um, And that's when our family was starting the company. And I didn't really have plans to come on board. But when I finished graduate school, I realized this was a really great opportunity to really learn a lot of new skills. And there was a lot of room for growth and development in this industry. Now, looking back, how do you feel about that decision? I'm very happy with that decision. It has been a great opportunity for me, and I've learned a lot, and I've done a lot over the past 10 years. 
Well, one of the things that we're going to talk about is you received recently a very prestigious award, the Association of Water Technologies Rising Star Award. Can you tell us a little bit about what that award is and what it means? Yeah, so it's an award that AWT gives to an individual within the membership, somebody who has contributed to the industry over the past few years. And it was a very, very great honor to get that award. Yeah, we've actually got a picture of you accepting that award on our show notes page. So if the listeners want to check that out, we will have that on scalinguph2o.com. Yeah. And so when I got the award, again, I grew up in this industry. So I've actually been going to AWT since I was five years old. And I showed a picture of one of the very first AWT meetings that I went to. It was a picture of my dad and I at Universal Studios when it was in Orlando. I loved that. So very well-deserved and congratulations from all of us. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So what's new on the horizon? Well, so our company, we um, are now part of MFG Chemical. So my role over the past year has changed, which is now the product manager. Um, And so it's really allowed us to be able to provide our customers with a wider range of products and then also make it where I can be a little bit more focused on tech service for our customers and not have to do it quite as much as I was before, which is, which is really great. So I've been doing that for the past year and I'm excited to keep moving forward with that and helping our customers. Something we're all dealing with are supply chain issues and and your company has been wonderful to my company and finding products that nobody else can find. So thank you for that. First of all, Uh, my question is, is, is that the new norm? Are things going to return back to where they were before all of these issues? What should we be preparing for? I think that one thing we've seen a little bit of relief on is transportation, whether that be raw materials coming from overseas or transportation just to our customers. Lead times and costs have gone down a lot, which is really good for everybody involved. But I I don't know if there's going to be a huge shift in any of the other ways that we've been impacted over the past couple of years. Or if there is a shift, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very slow shift back to what it was. I had heard that shipping rates were almost 10 times what they were just a few years ago. Yes. And the travel time as well was two to three times longer if, if you're lucky. So we were having to manage that significantly. I think we've all at least gotten better at managing it. So that's helpful, I guess. So something we do is we now keep a lot more product on hand. We're tying up more money, unfortunately, in inventory. But I'm curious, how do you deal with that? Because you're supplying all of us. The same way that you're you're having to. You're just having to keep a, a little bit more inventory. Look beyond maybe if you're looking at three months prior, before. Now we're having to look at six months or a full year, what that's going to look like. And go ahead and put orders in place to kind of down the line to cover those three months out, six months out, when before, you know, you only have to look at a month or two at a time. So you mentioned doing a lot of work in the lab. What does your regular day-to-day look like when you're in the lab? So in the lab, what I primarily do now is when we start a new research and development project, that's a new procedure we haven't done, I'll help develop that so that the other people working in the lab can then take it on and run all the tests. Um, it's also a lot of troubleshooting. Whenever any of our instruments aren't working, I have to kind of go back there and figure out what the issue is, what part we need to order, how to fix it so we can keep doing all the tests. I don't know how to describe this over the podcast, but I'm hoping we figure it out because you have the coolest testing apparatus that I have ever seen. Can you tell us, one, what that is, why you built it, and what it allows you to do? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, we spent a lot of time um, and money developing these pilot systems. So there are two pilot systems that are side-by-side that have heat exchangers, they have pumps to recirculate the water, corrosion racks, controls so we can measure PTSA, tag polymer, we can read conductivity, pH, 
And what it allows us to do is do side-by-side testing with our products and competitive products with synthetic water. Um, And it really allows us to take the testing that we do in the lab, which is smaller scale. So that'll be kind of our basic field testing to see which products work or don't work. And then we can scale it up and see how it works in a bigger system and be able to introduce some different variables and also extend the time that we are running these tests. And by having that equipment, what do you think that allows you to do than not having that equipment? It gives us another big, huge data set that we can show our customers and say, here is how our product works. Here's its efficacy. This is how it is just as good, if not hopefully better than the competitive product. And it's, I think that data is really informative to our customers and really impactful. And it really looks cool. Yes, it looks really cool. We love to show it off. Definitely a cool factor with that. Well, you mentioned tag polymers, and we've done several episodes on tag polymers. Uh, I got the pleasure of working with you and your company a couple of years back. I did a paper on tag polymers. If there's a listener out there today and they're not really familiar with what that technology is, how would you explain that? So the tag polymer is a polymer that actually has a fluorescent covalently bond to the polymer. So you can trace the product, not just like with how you do with PTSA, but you're actually looking at how much polymer is in your formulation. Um, And it allows the customer to kind of see a couple of things. If you're overfeeding, underfeeding, or if there's an upset in the system, which is really helpful. Um, And it's a additional tool and a water treaters toolkit. Something really interesting that I found when I was writing my paper, uh, I looked at a couple different manufacturers' polymers, and something interesting that you do is you allow for PTSA to still remain in the product, and there's also a tag on the polymer, so you can see if there's any change between the two. And I thought it was weird because I was seeing a change. And as we continued to do our testing, we were seeing an iron incursion into the system. And the polymer was doing exactly what it needed to do. It was going to assist with that iron. And you're right. It was just another data set to allow us to know that things were working. And the cool thing about that was our PTSA number didn't change, but our demand rate did change. So we were now able to know that and adjust for that iron incursion. I just thought that was the coolest thing that I did over that entire research project. Yeah, and that's absolutely what we promote with the tag polymer is using it in conjunction with the PTSA because it really increases the information that you can get out of the system. Yeah, I think I called you guys. I didn't know what was happening. And uh, and by looking at that, it was doing exactly their job. So speaking of that, you probably get a lot of calls where you're helping people understand the products better or maybe use them better. So how do you consult with people and make sure that they're using your products in the best way? Every customer system is different. Everybody is working with different waters, um, which is one of the great things because it keeps us busy and on our toes. But that's the first step is always understanding the system that they're using and the water chemistry. That's going to be the first step that's going to help you dictate which product you recommend, at what dosage, if it's a combination of a couple of products. What are some of the biggest challenges that you have when you're developing a new product? The challenge is at least on my end, because again, I'm doing the kind of research and development for the application side of it. So we'll get a bunch of samples, right? Because we're trying out these different ratios, these different variations, and we want to try them in a, in a bunch of different settings for different scales at different temperatures. So it's a lot of tests to run, and it's a lot of data to manage. Um, and so you have to stay very organized, or you can get very off track quickly. If you lose data, you got to repeat those tests. And if you're using the pilot system that we that custom one that we have built in our facility, those tests are 30 days. Other tests, you know, they usually at least take one to two full days of work. So it takes a lot of work to do that. 
a lot of times water treaters will change something in their products. And some people are very good at keeping their data sets to make sure that they know things are working. But I found the majority of water treaters are more sensational, more anecdotal. And that kind of reminds me of my days in chemistry classes where we talk about inference versus observation. So if we were changing from product A to product B, what would be some things that we needed to make sure that we weren't just thinking it was working well, but we were paying attention to make sure that it was? I keep all my retains for a year of anything that we make because I feel like that's usually if you're making something and you're using it within a year. So I try to keep all of the samples that we make for a year. Data-wise, I keep my data forever. It's keeping lab notebooks or if I've been put it into the computer, I keep all of it indefinitely. What would you say has been one of the biggest advances you've seen in water treatment since you've been in this industry? I think that the tag polymer being widely available from multiple manufacturers is a huge step. It's the same thing that we saw with PTSA, which is now a standard in everybody's formula for the most, you know, or a lot of formulas. So that's a huge shift. Um, and I think it's really starting to push manufacturers and suppliers to provide new technology to the customers. I remember when PTSA came on the marketplace and there were so many people that were resistant to it. And you're right, today, pretty much everybody has it in their formulation. Why do you think we're so slow to accept change in this industry? I will actually disagree with that when it comes to the AWT members. I think that the AWT members actually um, embrace the change a little bit quicker. I think that what slows it down when it comes to like the PTSA and the tag polymer is the cost. There is a pretty big upfront cost to our customers because they'll have to get the equipment to be able to read it. The tag polymers are a little bit more expensive. And so it's an investment that maybe, you know, they're not, they don't have the right fit for it yet, but they will maybe have a fit later and then see the benefit of it and really adopt it. Do you think it's the community aspect of the Association of Water Technologies where people can see what that return on investment actually is through talking to their neighbors? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that really helps with the growth of those kinds of technologies. I think that's huge. Community is huge. And there's so many folks out there that I think, oh, I can't talk to somebody. They're a competitor. And when you do that, you're now an island and you're not sharing information. And let's face it, there's just too much information out there to learn it all yourself. If we're not talking with each other, I don't know how we're ever going to get close to knowing what we need to know. Agreed. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's again, especially in AWT, it's very much a community and a family and it allows for that growth and for everybody to kind of succeed. There's, there's room for everybody out there in this field. So besides AWT, are there any other organizations that you recommend? We attend the IWC and we'll present papers there sometimes. And that's been also a very good opportunity for us. Are you going to IWC this year? That is the plan. Well, I am looking forward to seeing you. I am their keynote speaker. Oh, awesome. That's great. I thought so as well. Now I got to figure out what I'm going to speak about. Yeah. <laughs> Any ideas? Ooh, maybe the rising temperatures and how that's going to affect cooling towers and the use of those. That's a good one. I'm going to write that down. Where do you see the biggest advances if we were to look at a crystal ball and we could see 50 years into the future? What do you think water treatment will be like? I think that's what really is pushing advances or what's going to really push people to start doing things differently is the regulations that we're starting to kind of see, especially like with the zero P in certain areas. So that's really going to have to force suppliers and water treaters to start thinking of something a little bit different that's going to suit everybody's needs. So if I can think back correctly, and, and this is way before my time, we, we eliminated chrome. A lot of places have eliminated zinc. Uh, a lot of places have m eliminated molybdate, and now we're on to phosphate. So we're just going right on down the road. What's next? 
Ooh, probably 10 if that's already one, because that's what we've kind of started replacing the zinc with is 10. So probably going to have some regulation on that at some point. So we have a customer that they're having issues where they're sending out discharge water that's actually better than what they're bringing in with the city, but the city's not giving them what they want back. So they're having to do all this extra stuff just to make the water better that the city is giving them. So they really are cracking down. Yeah, it's always interesting when we'll get customers who are doing zero P or they have a zero P application and the city water that they're using has more phosphate in it than they're asking them to not discharge. And it's like, well, you're already starting with so much. Right, right. And that's so frustrating for customers, but the municipalities are not very flexible with that. No, they are not. Chelsea, we have a lot of people that are in school. They do listen to this podcast and they're considering a career in water treatment. What are some things that they should consider? And is this a good choice? I think it's a great choice, despite my being very resistant to it in the beginning. It is a field where there is endless amount of possibilities. There's so much you can get involved in. There's so many things that you can do, whether that be research and development for products, being a water treater out in the field, working in a lab doing quality control. There's so much you can do. And it's not a field that I think is talked about enough. And there's a lot of open opportunities right now too, because we have older generations that are getting close to retiring and we need people to fill their shoes. So you were a little resistant in, in coming into the water treatment world. And you said now that you did, you thought it was an amazing decision. What were some of the things that you did to maybe check some boxes to say, yes, this was a good choice and maybe they can use those to guide their decisions? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing was typically in this industry, especially if you're working for the smaller independent water treaters, you often get the opportunity to do a lot of different things. So you're usually not just stuck doing the same repetitive job because they're smaller companies. And so you're also going to work in the QC lab, also maybe get a little bit hands-on with manufacturing because you're going to kind of be that middleman between that. So you get to experience and see and be hands-on with a lot of the process that's involved in it, which I love because I I don't want to just be doing the same thing day in and day out. That's what I love about this industry. You're not doing the same thing and it doesn't get bored. And I tell people on this podcast all the time that if you're bored, you're doing this job wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chelsea, I get a lot of questions from people that I work with, and they have questions about blending. Blending is probably one of the the voodoo magic things that we do in the water treatment industry. There are a couple of books out there that maybe help with that, uh, but it's really experience and trying to figure out what goes in before something else. And I always struggle, other than telling people about my actual experience, where they can go to learn more information about blending. Do you have any resources? I wish there were more resources. I agree with that because it is a lot of trial and error. The AWT website does have a lot of great papers Maybe not specifically on blending, but if you look at different product types, it'll give you a feel of what they're usually used with and at what ratio. So it kind of gives you a good jumping off point. Um, But I agree. It is one of those things. You just have to learn from your mistakes a lot of the times. I was helping another AWT member not too terribly long ago, and they were building a product. They told me what was in it, and everything should have gone in together. And then I asked what the order of addition was, and immediately when they told me, I could say, oh, well, you're not putting those things in the right order. And their answer was, how do you know that? And I knew that because I messed that up too. Yeah, exactly. And that is probably one of the more frustrating parts of the job is when you're running into these issues, a lot of the stuff you can't just Google. The answers are not there. Well, that's a question now. So do you think eventually we'll be able to go to chat GPT and say, build me a water treatment formulation? Yeah. If it gets enough information, maybe. But I, th- I think all of us are pretty safe with our jobs, at least for the next several years. Now, if we could put Mike Standish's brain into chat GPT, maybe we would be able to get it. 
Now, I'm all for that. So let me know how we can uh, raise money or find out how to do the Vulcan mind meld or something with that. I love talking to your dad. He's he's one of my favorite people. We uh, met each other on the board of AWT uh, probably two decades ago, maybe even longer than that. And, and just a, a super nice guy. And that's, of course, where, where you and I met at AWT functions for that. So it's really been cool to, to watch you grow up, to watch you become such a formidable uh, person within this field and create so much knowledge to help make the field better. So I just, I just want to thank you for all that. It's just been amazing to, to be able to see. Thank you very much. And I, I think going back to the um, discussion we had about community within AWT, I absolutely would not be where I am, obviously, without my dad and all of his experience and this opportunity when we started the company. But also, all of the members at AWT have always been very supportive. And anytime I've wanted to get out there and learn a little bit more, they're always willing to put me out there and and help us out too, specifically me as I'm kind of still learning. I mean, there's, I will never be done learning in this industry. So it's a lot of thanks to everybody out there. I love that. My dad would always tell me if I thought I knew everything, it was the day I needed to leave. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got a few lightning round questions for you. Are you ready for those? Yes. All right. So here we go. If you could go back to your very first day, doing the job that you're doing now, uh, what advice would you give yourself? I would kind of just tell myself a lot of days are going to be very frustrating. You're going to go into that lab and nothing's going to work. This instrument's just going to have decided it didn't want to do what it wanted to. You're going to have to repeat a lot of stuff. You're going to have to put in a lot of time and effort, but it's worth it. Um, and you'll you'll really enjoy it because those those first year or two was a lot of a lot of hard work. So same question, but now we're going to send you all the way back in time to when you were five years old and you were at Disney. What would you tell that person? It's going to end up being really great. What are the last few books that you've read? I am currently reading a book. It's called The Liberal Redneck. It is by these three comedians, Trey Crowder, Corey Ryan Forster, and Drew Morgan. Um, and it's kind of just their perspective on the South, the good, the bad, in between. Um, it's very funny, very smart. Um, and then I think the book before that I was reading was Davis Adair's new book. What are some of your water treatment reference resources that you go to? I do use the AWT website a lot because they have a lot of the papers that were published. I often refer to Jasper Gill and um, Rob Ferguson's papers. Sometimes I'll find them on the AWT website or I'll have them send them to me directly. There is also the Standard Methods of Examination of Water and Wastewater. That was the most recent reference I used. I was just looking at it on my bookshelf. It's very large, thick book that's very helpful as well. Do you have it dog-eared and highlighted? I have a couple of methods in there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so when they make a movie about your life, who do you want playing Chelsea? Emma Watson. Good answer. Last question. You now have the ability to speak to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? Mm, who would it be with and why? So maybe somebody like Michelle Obama a woman who's been in power, but maybe a little outshined by their partner and how they kind of handle that, how to kind of make yourself known and stand your own ground and know who you are. What question do you think you would start out with asking her if you had that opportunity? How did you do that? How, how did you have your sense of self during that or still now? Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure and congratulations on your recent award. I'm sure that there are many more awards in your future. And if somebody wants to find out more information about you and your company, where should they go? They can go to radicalpolymers.com. has our product list on there, a little blurb about us as a company. Yep, they can check it out. And I also want to thank you. You guys were my very first sponsor to this podcast. 
That's great. Well, I really appreciate you having me and I've enjoyed this very much. It was my pleasure. You take care and I'm sure we're going to be having you back when you get your next award or the next paper you write. (laughs) Thank you. Nation, some of the most technical conversations I have ever had at the Association of Water Technologies conference have been with Chelsea. It is amazing all of the technology, all of the different technical questions that she knows about. And uh, I've just had some great conversations with her. So if you are at the Association of Water Technologies conference, stop by the Radical Polymers booth and strike up a technical conversation with Chelsea. You will be very impressed and you're going to go away knowing a lot more information than you started within that conversation. And I'm a huge fan of Radical Polymers. I've known Chelsea's dad for decades. That's hard for me to say that. And Mike Stan is just an incredible guy. And he was the one at an AWT conference to say, hey, Trace, why don't you offer a way for us to support, us being the water treatment vendors of the world, to support this podcast? He said, "This is the podcast is the talk of this convention. Everybody's talking about it. There are a lot of people here like Mike that wanted to help support it. And Mike said, hey, you need to figure that out. And I got to tell you, I was so nervous that that was going to water down the podcast. That really wasn't a pun that was intended, but I think it works. And I actually put a podcast out. that you, I said, Nation, what do you think about that? And overwhelmingly, people said, yes, this is an endeavor that costs money. And with the more resources you have, the more resources you're going to be able to give to us. And that's what we did. Mike Stanish was the very first person to support us. And now we've been uh, extremely fortunate. It seems like the Scaling Up H2O podcast is the place to go if somebody wants to get their wares aware uh, within the Scaling Up Nation with all the listeners that we have strong. And we're just very fortunate that that's the case. And if you're wondering, we came up with guidelines on how we decided on who we would allow to be a sponsor and who we wouldn't. So this is what we decided. One, if I personally have used the product and I've seen that it's made a difference in my life as a water treater, as a company owner, it is definitely fair game. But then there's so many things out there that I haven't used. So if I see the potential for that happening, that also qualifies. So if you're wondering how we choose who gets to be a sponsor on this podcast, it's not just a here's our check, we're going to be on the podcast. We want to make sure that when you tune in to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, that we've got real information for you. We've got things that we really believe can move the needle in your life with the things we're talking about and the people that are helping us sponsor this program. All that to say, that all came from Radical Polymers having a very nice conversation on the trade show floor at the Association of Water Technologies I think that was when we were in Palm Springs, but I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was, but Mike, if I'm remembering wrong, you can probably let me know. So there it is. And folks, one of my favorite things to do is bring you this podcast. I asked for this in the top of the show. I'm going to ask for it again. If you have an idea of what you want to hear on this show, don't keep that to yourself. You can go to our show ideas page by going to scalinguph2o.com, navigating over to our show ideas page. And you've got not one, but two ways to get that information to us. The first way is you can just simply type that in and that lets us know everything that you want us to know. The second and more exciting way is for you to record your voice asking your question. And as you've heard before, I a lot of times play that very voice and then I will answer the question. And we use that content to allow us to do our pinks and blues episodes. And I have heard that those are some of our most anticipated shows. So we've got lots of those in the future planned out for you. But for now, I want to introduce my friend, James McDonald, with a brand new Periodic Water Table with James. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, 
where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is hydrochloric acid or HCl. How is hydrochloric acid used in industrial water treatment? How is its dosage controlled? How is its concentration measured? Is hydrochloric acid ever produced as a byproduct from other industrial water treatment applications? What are recommended safety precautions when handling hydrochloric acid? Why would hydrochloric acid be used instead of sulfuric acid in some pH control applications? Are there material compatibility concerns when storing, pumping, and applying hydrochloric acid that you need to know? How will the use of hydrochloric acid impact the level of chlorides in a water system? Why is it sometimes called muriatic acid? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learn to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalinguph2o. I look forward to learning more from you. Thank you, James. Next week's episode is a special episode. It is an insider's look of some of the things that we do within the Rising Tide Mastermind. I think this next week episode is going to teach everybody who listens something you don't expect to learn, but something that you will use in almost every encounter that you have. And it is my hope that next week's episode inspires you as much as it has inspired me. Until then, have a great week, folks. I'll see you next week. Scalarm Nation, you asked for it and it is here. So many of you are taking the Certified Water Technologist examination and you're wanting to get better information on how to better answer the mock exam. Now this is the exam that you get when you sign up for the CWT exam. Well, I have heard your request and I've done exactly that. I have recorded a class that has exactly what you've been asking for. It is me answering each one of the questions and letting you know why I chose certain answers. And of course, everybody wants me to do math and I do all the math on the mock exam. So you can see how to get the right answer and I hope this is something that will help build your confidence so you can get your certification. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Get out there and get your certification today.